This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. From the Headstuff Podcast Network, welcome to the world according to Wikipedia, the podcast that explores the weird, wonderful and baffling world of Wikipedia, the people who write it and what makes them tick. With me, Fanula. And me, Rebecca. In this episode, we will be talking to Alex Stinson, a senior strategist for community programs with the Wikimedia Foundation. And also, he's a longtime Wikipedian. So in previous episodes, we've talked about uh, wiki projects and how they help Wikipedia editors collaborate, collaborate on wiki, as we call it. Uh, but do you know how Wikimedians organize and collaborate in the real world, or IRL, as our as cool kids call it? I'm assuming in the pub. Well, uh, obviously, there's lots of places in the world where doing everything in the pub is not the norm. Definitely on uh, in these aisles, there would be a tendency towards the pub, but not a fully international experience. It does feature some Wikipedians, but not all. Uh, we've mentioned that there is the Wikimedia Foundation which is a charity based in the US that looks after Wikipedia and all its sister projects. They literally ensure all the websites stay up and running, as well as advocating for the projects, fundraising, and all the work that's kind of aligned with the movement's broad goals. On a more local level, like here in Ireland, there are what are called recognised affiliates, which are smaller groups that have the stamp of approval from the foundation to represent it on a local level. And in Ireland, our, our group is the user group called Wikimedia Community Ireland. Or you, um, as we also <laughs> like to call it. But no, uh, so what do these affiliates do like to fill their days? So a lot of what these groups do is advocating for new editors from either the geographic area, so here in Ireland, or from a language community. So there's groups around kind of Arabic or French, that kind of thing, to contribute to Wikipedia. Many affiliates will collaborate on joint goals and new affiliates have begun to emerge that are more thematic, like the Wikimedians for Sustainable Development. This group is working to incorporate United Nations 17 sustainable goals into the work of Wikimedia, many of which are related to climate change, which is uh, on topic for us today. But there's a lot of variation in these groups, which reflects the context in which they work. And are there any, uh, not rules, are there any limitations on who can set up a group? Uh, I, th- there are rules when it comes to governance. Yeah. So there, there's nothing stopping anyone starting a group. So you can be, you know, the, the Wikimedians of County Offaly if you if you choose to be. There's nothing stopping you. But there is a process to become what's what's termed a recognised affiliate. So this entails reporting uh, back to the community, you know, your fellow groups, but also to the foundation, and agreeing to uphold certain standards that are in keeping with the foundation's mission, value, and goals. So you're not, I suppose, misrepresenting the foundation and the movement broadly. Um, and the next level up for a user group as a chapter uh, and this is usually a charity within a given country and there's even a higher level of reporting and organisation general scrutiny if you're a chapter so there's Wikimedia UK Wikimedia Deutschland Wikimedia Australia and they would all be chapters but the most dominant organisational uh, structure is the user group okay there you are bit of bureaucracy to start to start us off yeah <laughs> it's that high note gotta love it Rebecca, are you a foodie? The short answer is no, but I do love my crop. So long as it's stopped moving, I'm generally happy to give it a try. But would you like to know about the food culture in Ireland? Oh, definitely. Headstuff uh, Plus has a new podcast that will tell you all about that. It's called That's Bangin'. It's got Marcus O'Leara and Chris Mellon who celebrate everything good from the farm to the plate. So you're getting to see the whole breath of of how food is produced the food culture within ireland and it's a celebration of everything tasty 
and fresh and excellent coming from Ireland. And there's a lot of good food here, which we'll celebrate lots of this year because nobody's leaving the country. So, yeah, so there's going to be interviews and, and all of that jazz. And they'll tell you more about it now. That's with Chris and Marcus. Hello, my friends, and welcome to That's Banging with me, Marcus Solera. And me, Chris Mellon. A new podcast celebrating everything good from farm to plate, ship to service and field and fork. A celebration of everything tasty, fresh and excellent that's coming off our island at the moment. As well as interviews with people who are shaping the best of the best of food and drink from around the country. We'll be available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and everywhere else you get your podcasts. For our random rule of this episode, Fanula. Yes. Do you want to know how things get deleted from Wikipedia and why? Yes, I would like to know this because then I can definitely not do it or get myself in a situation whereby somebody would delete anything that I posted. Please tell me. So there is kind of broadly two ways in which things get deleted. There is the dreaded speedy delete. uh, And then there is a slightly more sedate, air quotes, sedate nomination as an article for deletion or an AFD. Okay, so tell me about this speedy delete, because I feel that's more likely to happen to me. And then you can go into the AFD side of things in, in more detail. Actually, the speedy delete is probably if you if you have some experience or any kind of nouse with writing a Wikipedia article, it's probably less likely to happen to you. Speedy deletes are something that's deployed if an article clearly does not belong on Wikipedia. Like it's not it's not suitable at all to be on Wikipedia. So publishing a blank page, for example, like with no content in it whatsoever. Joke articles that are clearly a prank or based on, you know, like a viral video or something like that. Things that are clear copyright violations, so they're just a copy-paste job, and, you know, they're a legal issue to keep on Wikipedia. Clear PR abuse, so just a press release for a new Indiegogo campaign, uh, just squeezed into a Wikipedia format that gets deleted quite quickly. Also, doxing and other abusive material, that'll disappear very quickly. And in these cases, an admin as a singular person uh, can choose to delete an article without having a discussion with the community. Ah, so that is something I would never do. Yeah. This is what I mean. Like, speedy deletes are really, you know, it's one of those ways in which an admin has been very much kind of given the the trust of the community to recognise stuff that just, there's this is black and white. This stuff mm-hmm. definitely doesn't exist. We'll just get rid. So the next step down is probably what happens more often um, or will perhaps get more attention. And, you know, so if it's kind of more of a borderline case, you can tag an article generally a new article, but it could be one that's been knocking around for a long time uh, as an AFD or an article for deletion. And what what happens here is that a discussion is opened as to whether or not the article should be deleted. So in this case, a user tags an article with AFD, generally specifies a reason why, like saying topic is notable, this, you know, seems to be PR, you know, there's a a whole raft of, of reasons why. And then a discussion page is where editors can debate the merits of the deletion proposal. And there's lots of nuance to this, there's lots of procedure and lots of acronyms mm-hmm. that people get stuck into. Um, but it's not what's quite important to remember here is that it's not a straight up popularity vote. So okay. it doesn't matter if 50 people come in and all say keep. Um, what tends to happen is it's the quality of the discussion. OK, so they have to if an argument is a well thought out, well argued sort of proposition or whatever, then that is more important than the volume of people saying something less well put together. And also what you'll notice to stop various things referred to as like sock puppeting or, or meat puppeting, which is where you pretend to be somebody that you're not. Mm-hmm. Um, you notice in these discussions, if somebody has just created an account to own, and the only thing they've ever done is commented on a deletion, 
or another discussion, they'll get a little tag kind of saying, you know, this this account is only X amount of days old or X amount of hours yeah. old to stop people trying to swing swing votes one way or the other as well. So there's all sorts of kind of, you know, and people people have very strong feelings about deletion and, and it has been used as an abusive tactic in the past by people getting all of the articles that they've ever created uh, flagged for deletion as kind of, you know, a way of getting back at them for something or something like that. Um, so it's definitely not by no means a perfect process. And uh, one of the, my favourite quotes about it is Darius, who we mentioned in the last episode with the Royal Playing. Yes. Uh, he says that, you know, we talk about consensus on Wikipedia, but really it's the product of, of conflict because you have a debate about all of these things. And the debate isn't necessarily, not everybody kind of gets won over on, or on board. And it's this idea that we're all kind of equally unhappy at the end of the day. <laughs> True democracy. Yeah. Yeah. With, with all the smatterings of bureaucracy that we've yes. been talking about as well. But someone who knows all about these nuances um, of Wikipedia is Alex Stinson, uh, who, who I chatted to about his personal and professional interest in editing climate change content on Wikipedia. Hi, I'm Alex Stinson. I'm a senior strategist at the Wikimedia Foundation, but also a longtime Wikipedia editor. And I am super interested in how the Wikimedia movement uh, organizes itself uh, and effectively recruits uh, new knowledge activists into to the Wikimedia movement. Um, and recently, in my volunteer capacity, I've been editing a lot about climate change, and I think it's going to be a it's it's an interesting space for the movement to explore. Excellent. And for our listeners, you are in tropical climes, so that's why we're hearing amazing. Yeah, I I, I am currently in Uruguay uh, as a pandemic exile. <laughs> the best sort, the best sort of exile I think we'll find. So you were talking, so as a volunteer, much like myself, mm -hmm. you know, there's kind of like this delineation. But what yeah. was it that got you interested in working on articles specifically relating to, to climate change in the first place? Uh, so I, I've been an editor since like 2010. Um, and what originally got me in was I have a humanities background and I'm really interested in like, oh, I, I was at university and I had access to a research library. I was like, oh, I could totally like help the public access these bits and pieces of the research library uh, and on this topic. And as I kind of explored and grew and I've done glam outreach, I've done other kinds of outreach in the movement, the education program, I, I realized that there's a certain kind of, or I didn't realize, I, I, I observed that there's certain kinds of motivation that bring people into the Wikimedia movement that do that library activity of like taking information off the shelf and putting it in a public space. And, and those motivations are what I would call knowledge activism. Uh, and a few years ago, I was at Wikimania and attending the, the sustainability and climate sessions. And I realized just how ready the space was to grow. And, it, and if you don't remember, uh, Wikimania at Stockholm was during uh, 2019, when there was that uptick in the climate movement of public awareness. Fridays for Future had been hitting like the main page of newspapers around the world. Anything Greta did had international coverage. And I was seeing this youth movement responding to it. I was seeing a public respond to it. And I realized, oh, this was like the same conditions that allows us to work on the gender gap. 
on Wikipedia, there's like a broad public awareness that uh, that information or knowledge and like how that knowledge is covered in many different contexts and spaces and languages and geographies and from different perspectives is like fundamental to how society changes. And so finding these knowledge activists, these people who were ready to like get out on the front lines and literally picket, you know, their schools, their governments, their whatever for like scientific fact, like listen to the scientists was on all of the the protest signs. I was like, and then I heard the Wikimedia community talking about it at Wikimedia. I knew that there was something there. And so uh, I, I, I have always been interested in things like local food. I, for a, a little while there, I had like a quarter acre, you know, food garden uh, on a property and like I knew that I, I too was interested in sustainability and climate and action and I hadn't quite seen that connection between my Wikimedia life, my knowledge activism life and that until that moment at Wikimania and watching the press and seeing it and so the I spent most of the last two years trying to figure that out, both in my volunteer capacity, actually trying to edit. And then in my organizing capacity, observing where the Wikimedia movement and my professional capacity, observing where the Wikimedia movement is organizing around this topic, how they're doing it, how it contributes to newcomers in coming into the platform and where it connects with these like expert communities that are just so prolific in climate and sustainability. And yeah, so that that's kind of the range of things that I'm exploring. So you found yourself in this kind of very specific Venn diagram. Yeah, we're, we're, we're both like professionally and my personal passion in the way the movement was responding to the moment. It made a lot of sense. And like the, the more you look at climate communication, and, and this is true on Wikipedia. So in 2019, we had this uh, page view graph going up on the articles. That, so we have a wiki project on English Wikipedia called Wiki Project Climate Change. It has about 2,600 articles articles in it. And when you look at the page views for those articles in 2019 up to the pandemic, you were starting to see them really start to spike. The public, because of the press, because of Greta, because of the the kind of news cycle of public awareness about just how fundamental climate change was, was starting to pay attention. And then the COVID pandemic suddenly like closed down the whole press cycle on it. And it also closed down the Wikipedia attention on it. So there's also a strategic opportunity for a movement like ours to, to be covering those topics better because we know the public will return as the green recovery happens, as you know the COP meeting in Scotland comes back at the end of the year, as we we realize that the pandemic is part of climate change. Like it is uh, the, like these kinds of diseases and these kinds of health crises are going to keep happening for the next few decades. And so like it, it is strategic for, for our communities to figure out how to write and edit and talk and do equitable work in, in these areas. Um, it's, it's strategic for the foundation to support that as it's happening because those communities uh, like it's, it's a new topic area of organizing. Unlike the gender gap, which we have a vibrant organizer community on climate, there, there's a few dozen of us who have even touched it. And so it's, it's, it's going to be important to build a practice and an awareness and mentor people. And, and we've had a couple of successes in the last like six, 12 months where that my, my awareness of this topic and my personal interest in it has translated into really being able to help organizers succeed in, in doing that. And my role is like a, a strategist and an advisor as someone who's really interested in how we run 
content drives that bring newcomers in, that support our existing community, that all those kinds of things. In comparison to, say, the other work that you've done, say, with GLAMs and education, are you finding that there's particular methods that perhaps mightn't, well, might have worked in those areas that map well? Or do you have to go completely different? Is it a completely different kind of method of recruiting people into that space. Yeah, this is so interesting, right? For those of us who've done glam outreach for a long time, we are the like scrappy new kids on the block, this like internet startup that's now just 20, right? We're we're still not allowed to drink in the US, but like we, we have ragers in Europe or whatever. That's approaching these like institutions that operate on like 10, 20, 30, 100 year timescales, right? Uh, and so, so the relationship between like glam institutions and Wikipedia is the power imbalance is very particular, right? Like it's a, and and so you're doing a lot more work in terms of speaking to the institution, speaking to their professional space, speaking to the kinds of like impact the narrative that they're working with. With knowledge activists who are emergent and are on the internet, something like the gender gap or climate change, like the activists know what the internet's tool is for, right? They, they, they know how communication happens. So the problem is less the persuasion, which is where like glam institutions, you spend a lot of time, or, or educators, you spend almost all your time trying to persuade them that this is like legit within their professional uh, context, right? Whereas with these knowledge activists, it's not that they need to know that's legit, they need to know how to show up, right? And so like a group like Art and Feminism or Wikigap has spent the time building up a whole pipeline or, or, or Women in Red, building the pipeline for the new and experienced editor to say, yes, I'm interested in this, Yes, there's a couple actions that I can take. There's a topic list I know where to inter- uh, to intervene on. You know, all of these things are set up so that all you have to do is raise your hand and show up and you'll probably find an activity that is appropriate. So if if we want to take the success of the gender gap work, this idea that we like women in red supports experienced editors and like art and feminism and Wikigap have these pipelines for new editors and gender gap, we we need to every topic area is going to require a different pipeline mm. of contribution, right? So so when we think about climate, a lot of people get hung up on the science because that like climate denial has dominated so much of the media. But when you look at the sustainable development goals or the kinds of information that youth activists in the global South are asking for, they are asking for every part of our society to be questioned they're asking how does adaptation and mitigation happen now with the to- like the technologies and tools and and politicians and like these institutional movers they're looking for solutions they're not looking for the side i mean except if you're like you know i i come from the united states and except if you live in that very particular bubble that is climate denial in the us like the vast majority of the global public is not no longer looking for the science like they may need to understand that at a very basic level but they're they're looking for they need to be reminded of how their lives need to change and how those that that change in their lives is connected to science to factual knowledge to things we know that are well studied right a good example of this I, i'm currently living near a beach and like every coastal community in the world has sea level rise affecting its infrastructure, its economy, its weather, its environmental impact, every single one. So there is no reason that Wikipedia should not have an environmental issues section on 
every single coastal geography article on on Wikipedia, and this is in every language. And it, it just kind of I'm gonna throw a number out there that's not I, I haven't tested, but I'm betting that somewhere like half a million articles at least across Wikipedia's that probably don't have that content yet. We can give that to new editors. Like a geography article is geography articles are widely variable in their con so 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 for climate and sustainability like the the actions we need to design are like a very different challenge than like the gender gap where we focused on writing a biography instead what we need to do is is look at how the new editor can show up on something local relevant. So, so in climate communication studies, there is pretty good evidence that you need to make it local, show it how it affects your local community and show how it affects like health and economy and livelihoods, right? Like climate and sustainability action is about relevance. Like the communication has to connect. And so when you go and look for, in my personal time, I've been taking a Coursera course on sustainable tourism. Uh, and you go and look at like tourism in Zanzibar, right? The, this article, if, if you're like that article, like tourists are, are deeply interconnected with how that island is responding to climate change. And people show up at Wikipedia looking at tourism in Zanzibar when they're about to book their holiday, right? There was that study uh, a year or two ago about how like editing Wikipedia about geographies increases tourism and that kind of stuff. Well, the tourists better know that they're implicated in these environmental disasters that are happening in that community and they could be part of the solution too that like parts of these and and you know zooming up a level this is knowledge activism but in light of wikipedia it's it's exactly the same kind of knowledge activism we're doing when we witness like the george floyd shootings right it's 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 simply bearing witness to this information that is well understood by academics by newspapers by local uh, governments and making that connection and so i think sustainability is like a really interesting space to invite new people because like it's clearly part of their lives and it's clearly part of all of the knowledge. And so we need to figure out new tactics for that. Part of the reason I'm thinking in this direction is we also have pretty good evidence from uh, two studies that this could work uh, too. So first uh, there's the new editor growth study at the uh, Wikimedia Foundation that showed that if you give people small edits with a lot of kind of support and scaffolding around it, um, they're more likely to stick around. And we've actually built a whole bunch of software that does this. It gives people guided editing interactions that are very successful on wikis like Arabic and Vietnamese and Czech Wikipedia. And when you look at the movement organizers research, we find that a lot of organizers come to the movement because they have other activist motivations, but they don't know anything about Wikipedia. So you need to give them an action that is bite-sized that they can teach other people. Because otherwise, like if you, if, if you throw a new organizer at an edit-a-thon, they're just gonna be overwhelmed. But if you throw them at like a, teach every person that you recruit how to edit one paragraph about in a geography article, you don't have to worry about notability. You don't have to worry about like teaching all the skills. You just have to teach references and like how to find these sections. So yeah, that, that's, sorry, that was a long <laughs> answer, but yeah. That was great. It's great. And I, I think there is, uh, you know, I, it resonates an awful lot with me. And I, it's interesting when you think about yeah, the geography, whenever I have a new set of editors, when we do kind of an informal evening and they just don't know, especially with English language, they just yeah. don't know where to start. So one of the easiest things you can ask them is, well, where are you from? Like the most granular, the better. Take a look at that article. 
Because if you're from a village, more than likely, it's not going to be very good. Uh, and if you take that kind of idea of, so rather than looking at bus routes and what local shop it is and, you know, maybe the charities that are nearby or whatever, like, well, what are the, what the geography section of it is, that's low hanging fruit for, as you say, an amazing amount of these articles out there. And, and you know, like, Every, and this this is where it ties back to the activism too, every government in the world is on call for addressing the climate crisis, right? And and it's, it's not just because like, I believe that's the case or whatever, sustainable development goals, like something like 100 countries have declared climate emergencies, 50, 100 countries, or a climate crisis or something like society is reorganizing itself uh, around the SDGs, around the Paris Agreement, around all these other things. And so every layer of society should have an answer to the like sustainability and climate question. And believe it or not, like the things that have the most impact on the environment are quite well studied. Uh, in the sense. So like we we know that aluminum smelting uses a lot of electricity. So if it's not on, you know, sustainable energy, uh, the carbon footprint of aluminum is crazy. Or I, I was just listening to a podcast, dehydrating milk in New Zealand is like super electricity intensive. And so if, if the grid is not set up for like doing reliable, uh, sustainable energy, then it's a problem. Or uh, a shoe, <laughs> like a tennis shoe, uh, and the whole fashion industry is very much implicated in like water pollution and carbon footprint on and uh, plastic pollution because of the microfibers coming off of these plastic imbued cloth. And this is all very well studied. Each one of these topics has dozens of academic articles, newspaper articles, that kind of stuff. So for as, as a form of activism, you're not approaching sustainability or climate like you would if you were doing gender gap or working with like marginalized knowledge because there the source material is often the problem you actually have that body of knowledge and increasingly in the last like three or four years the youth movement and the climate movement has demanded that it cover climate justice and so the marginalized communities and the marginalized issues are also being documented in the process. And so so what you have is kind of like a really interesting moment and an interesting body of knowledge that has profound gaps on our platforms and that you could actually bring almost anyone who cares into edit. And so so the next question is like, how do we get there? <laughs> what, what happens? And, and this is where I'm trying to learn how organizers are successful at this. And so like Wiki for Climate, which was run by Climate Development Knowledge Network, Future of Climate for Africa, and uh, Wiki Loves SDGs last fall. Both of these were week-long events that had nearly 100 people participating in them digitally in the face of COVID. And we had new editors editing on articles that had like at least three, 5,000 page views. And they were adding meaningful contributions and doing it in volume and, and really successful. And so the next step is like, how do we get more organizers learning how to do that? So. Needless to say, myself and Alex's conversation was far longer than that, which so Camilla long. So long. will testify to. So long. I was trying to punish her. Editing a 48-minute yeah, uh, long interview is interesting. And lots, it, it, like, if you want to hear all of that, you can go to Headstuff Plus.
what's 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 really important about the conversation that myself and Alex had because it was it was massively wide ranging and yes did go on for quite some time is that when the community and himself both professionally and personally decides to edit on a topic like climate change is that the things that you learn doing that can then be applied to other I suppose contentious or contested areas of knowledge so you know when he talks about perhaps you know the the things that have happened around Black Lives Matter and and other campaigns uh, around the gender gap and, and that on Wikipedia. While the topics might be quite wide ranging, some of the tools and the, the strategies that we learn, you know, with these topics, they then can be applied to something that, you know, I suppose it's something that is completely different, but the strategies can be the same. Yeah. And we did chat for a good 50 minutes, I'm not going to lie. And uh, Alex and myself are both, I suppose, kind of... Uh, we're kind of topic magpies. We float around the place. And as he mentioned, like he's worked in Glam and with the Wikipedia Library and all sorts of initiatives. So you can speak to a huge amount of what the foundation does, but also what the community does. And if you're interested to hear the full interview with Alex, just become a member of the Headstuff Plus community for five euro plus fat a month. Um, and if you are really, you know, if you're really interested, we also have um, our full length um, interviews with all of our other past guests. And going forward, and we're going to have our bonus episodes lined up as well for you. Just go to headstuffpodcast.com. This episode's Wiki Hero of the Week, again, is, is a group. To introduce this, what, what a lot of people don't know, Camilla, is that along with photographs, you can also upload sound and video files to Wikimedia Commons. And that's what our heroes this week have done. You can, you can what now? That is amazing. <laughs> so Commons has been able to take all sorts of media files for a long time. And I suppose most people just think of images because you're thinking about Wikipedia as a static yeah. website. So you're thinking photographs and the use of videos and sound isn't universal on Wikipedia articles. So those photographs are, are, are our go-to. But in this case, a group of uh, Ghanaian Wikimedians have recorded over 4,000 words in the Dagbanai language and uploaded those to Commons. And apologies if I have murdered the name of that language. So much like Irish, uh, Dagbanai is taught in schools in this area of Ghana. Uh, so along with it being a fantastic way of spreading awareness about the language, it's also an excellent learning resource. Uh, the group was uh, 22 Wikimedians and they worked with two language experts, which I think is really important and really interesting to mm. ensure that the words they selected were lexicographically sound. So to weed out any kind of low words that perhaps would be true, true uh, words to the language. And that left them with 4,025 words, which they recorded. And this is an example of a Wikimedia user group in action. They are members of the Dagbanai Wikimedia user group, which is currently in the process of being formally accepted um, as a group in Ghana. Wonderful. I am in awe. Has uh, something similar been done in Irish or is it not really? No, and I suspect it's because we have platforms like Trinity College's um, Aber, which um, kind of does this function and you can listen to words and also sentences in the various different dialects, our three dialects. But there was a very cool project uh, from an academic in Mexico a few years ago. And it, what they did was they went around and they got people to, they recorded people saying place names uh, in English, Spanish, and then in the local Mexican languages. Mm -hmm. So you got all you got all three plus uh, of the place names. And I would love, it is one of my dreams to do something similar uh, for Irish. All right. Yeah. Uh, again, we have Loganum, which is a crowd-generated place name database. But imagine if all the articles for every single place in Ireland not only had a section on climate change, but the place name spoken in all three Irish dialects. And even English. I mean, you know, looking at like Greg yeah. Namana or, you know, monster evan or somewhere like that like somebody who has no has never heard yeah. these words say that loud you happen to hope whereas if you had 
an English pronunciation and then some of the Irish ones be an amazing resource uh, to have open. Yes. All I need is collaborators. I love the fact that this is happening with with minority languages or uh, local languages that aren't particularly widely known outside of that region. It's good. It's a good thing. I like it. Yeah, so you're kind of similar. Well, it's a smaller, I mean, Canada's a huge country, um, but about one million people speak the language. So it's not wildly different from from Irish use. So yeah, it's definitely, definitely a really fantastic project that's gone on. And what's even better in the next episode, we'll be talking to a Ghanaian uh, Wikipedia editor, Joy, who is the coordinator for the photography and media competition, which is running all through February 2021, called Wiki Loves Folklore. And here in Ireland, we have local prizes. So if you have photos, videos or recordings related to Irish culture with a, an incredibly broad definition of what that could mean, you could win some prizes. And that was The World According to Wikipedia. Join us in two weeks. You can subscribe to us on your podcast player of choice. Follow us on Twitter at world underscore Wikipedia. Thanks to Patricia O'Flaherty for our artwork and Headstuff Plus for production assistance. Go to headstuffpodcast.com for show notes, more information and to support the Headstuff Plus network. is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com.